How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR. IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. And welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and, of course, David Hobbs Honda, 6100 North Green Bay Avenue, for all your favorites in new and used cars. And this is going to be a real fun show today, because joining me in studio, I have two of the pillars of motorsports media. We have uh, Tony DiZino joining us in studio once again, and Dennis Michelson. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. I really appreciate it. Anytime, Mister Z. We're all here. This is this is fun. This is this is going to be a really really fun show because we're going to be diving deep on some su- subjects here. But before I move forward, it uh, of course Great Lakes Dragway is slow. And if you'd had uh, taking a, a a look in on the the Wisconsin football game, you'll notice some white stuff. Now, <laughs> I I am a I'm I'm not a meteorologist, but I, I I do dabble. But I do know of a media, an actual media, meteorologist. Now I understand it's like forty degrees, so how can it be snowing? But that's not snow, is it? It's Wisconsin. Is it? Sleet? It's Wisconsin. Is it sleet or is it, it actual snow? It was actually snow pellets. Okay. Is what it would be technically described at. I ran through that as I was coming up through the Geneva area. So, and that, and that has to do with the air temperature being colder and it, or it being isn't it rain? It freezes cold. and then it. Yeah. It what what is happening is about uh, five hundred feet up in the atmosphere. From there on up is uh, well below zero. So. Very uh, cold aloft today, and that's why you're getting that mix of rain and snow pellets. More weather coming up later on. Well, in the because show. it was they were they're actually frozen raindrops. Exactly. But what yeah. is snow then? Well, snow is just the flakes; they're crystallized flakes. You but need to be a little higher, colder. That's higher that. up. Yeah, and it's just, drier then. Correct. You okay. need a little bit colder air for that uh, to get that crystallized form. Everything starts as a crystallized deal. Okay. But in this case, you have just massive up uh, flow in the atmosphere that's causing the pellets to be able to, to be formed and then drop from the and sky. And then hail is when you have the circle. Correct. It's hail you go up hail and- is similar, but but slightly different uh, dynamical conditions in the atmosphere to cause it. Because it's going up and it's doing like a circle and it gets bigger and bigger until gravity takes over. Correct. Right? If I recall. That's, that, is, uh, that is a pretty accurate description, Mr. Z. That junior meteorology <laughs> course I took was a long time ago, so I just 
wanted to double check. Good job. Uh, did you have any weather check uh, weather questions, Tony? Well, see, I would I would have said frost, but you know we played Nebraska a few weeks ago, so we can take care of that. You know, that's a double entendre on that front. So, yeah, I mean, it's a roller coaster in Wisconsin. It's October, right? So, I mean, we're just fortunate that uh, we're rolling. Give it five minutes, the the season will change again. And uh, Dennis is here, courtesy of National Speedway's directory, with yep. our friend Tim. Absolutely, uh, Tim Frost has put also, together uh, Frost. Also Frost. unbelievable. Yeah. See the tie-ins here; mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, Tim has put together uh, another banner group for the Racetrack Business Conference. If you're coming down to the PRI show in Indy, the get-together for the auto racing world every year. And this is impressive stuff. you got some yeah. big uh, movers and shakers oh, for Oh, my this. goodness. The list is impressive. Go to racetrackbusinessconference.com and you can check it out. Guys from John Warniak from SEMA to uh, Jim Liu. And, oh, the list goes on and on. He's going to have about 30 guests there. And uh, once again, Tony, I, I get to be get master of ceremony. Tony, you to speak or? Uh, not yet, but I mean, we'll. Oh, uh, I'm sure that's, it, that's, that's, that's it must have been yeah. some type of. Uh, it was lost yeah. in the mail, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. And Tony, of course, with uh, Trackside Online and a major uh, corporate uh, entity involved in motorsports yeah and, uh, it's uh you've been, been busy 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 world traveler actually yeah um i'm trying to remember the last time i was in studio i think it was march or april i think it was, so it yeah. was fairly fairly early on because there's been a lot of sports car races i've been at um not as many indie car races although it was at portland for that first time back that was that was special Yeah, let's talk so. about that real quick since you were there and that i mean that has to be the the the, the biggest feel-good story since probably gateway last year isn't it Big surprise, yeah. I mean, I think the crowd numbers, I think the enthusiasm, I think the fact there was actual lines of people coming into the venue waiting to go in. It was like, look at an underserved market that hasn't been hit by anybody. NASCAR, we know, has never made a foothold in the Pacific Northwest, and who knew there was still an open-wheel appetite after a 10-11 year hiatus? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, a pleasant surprise of a weekend. The facilities are still... uh, old <laughs> oh are they okay but uh but the the atmosphere of the city itself it was it was really surprisingly well-run event i think like gateway it was a it was good to good to see well and you you start running a couple years of successful events and you can start doing you're working on your upgrades then too so jay yeah. fry has done an amazing job with indycar um you know he's taken this to another level really um with his he's just got a good business sense but he knows what the fans want and it's so different to watch the way indycar is run the way nascar is run right now nascar is assuming that their fans will always be there and indycar is hungry to show their fans a great new show yeah indycar has been more proactive in the last three years to and, and jay's been a big part of that um the teams have bought in the manufacturers the partners have bought in um They've, they've, they have a lot going for them. They have the new TV contract coming up next year. So there's, it's been it was another pleasant year on that front because I think they 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 had to take a step with the new car and they they did for the most part. They're already tweaking on it. I mean they had a test this week even just in Indianapolis. So um, I'm sure that's something else. That but they're, again forward thinking as opposed to reactionary and be like oh well nothing's wrong here everything's all great skies bunnies rainbows etc. So oh the racing no. was the racing product on the track too whether it was road courses street circuits obviously the Indianapolis 500 was a fantastic race but every single venue it's like they nailed the the rules pretty well and like you say they even realize as good as it was this year it can get better right 
and and now teams will have had a full year with the car. They have setups established. They they don't have to rush to get the chassis, which is where they were last year. Whereas you know you had the initial teams that were carrying out the manufacturer testing. Now everyone's had the car. There's more on the way. It's like we're mid October and you have the full field bar like one or two seats. You know already announced. You know, and it's one of those things too. Uh, talking about you know tweaking the cars and that, and especially on their oval packages. It's always interesting what people you know what you may want is not necessarily what or what you you know what you're requesting is not really what what you may want case in point the oval package at indianapolis this year i mean last few years i mean i think fans have gotten a little bit spoiled almost with the racing being so good but you've been hearing you know especially me and i think dennis you made this point too last year about you know give more horsepower less downforce well they did that this year and what happened it kind of brought in some aerial issues they weren't expecting Racing was still good, but not as good as the last few years, and that's what they they were working on uh, this earlier this week. It wasn't as crazy, especially right. at Indy last year. Like the last couple of years had been seated a pants from first lap to last lap sort of thing. What I saw in Indy last year at at the Indianapolis 500, it was more old school mm-hmm. Indy. It was allowing a team to actually get an edge and to get out there and, and have a little more of a dominating car. That was old school, like 70s and 80s indie to a certain extent. That's why I wasn't offended by it. The previous well, two years had just been absolutely bonkers. I think you can go a little overboard on that where you have too much, where, you know, where we saw last week with Talladega and some of these races were. Sure, there's a lot of passing, a lot of stuff going on, but you can't really tell who's the dominant car. Who's who? Who? What are the three, four, five, six, whatever cars that we we think are going to be okay? These are the guys to beat. And if you don't have that sense as a fan watching it on TV or in person, you're thinking, well, I don't, what is just going on here? And I think uh, on uh, an open wheel side, we had this Tony with with the Hanford device mm-hmm. about ten years ago at like Fontana and that where. Yeah, it was really cool seeing these cars blow by each other, but you never really had a sense, well, who is the fast car? Or is it just a, a case of uh, checkers or you just want to time your your, your 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 pass, you know, at the right time? Yeah, the positioning was so different where it's like, you know, is is a lot more slingshotty in the Hanford era and in, in like you said in the 16-17 years and the two winners with no disrespect to either of them, Rossi and Sato, were not the two guys you would have picked that year right. to, to win, whereas Will Power, Ed Carpenter, Tony Kanon, those were the guys that were up strongest all month this year, and they were the ones contending for the win. So, you know, that was it was more representative. But if you did nail the setup different, like Rossi did this year, you proved you could pass. I mean, he spiced up two, three, ten races this year on his own, basically, with these kind of miracle recovery drives. And it's like, I think Pete, he'd even admit, you know, his drive probably this year or last year was better than the race he actually won, and by a fair margin. Right, and switching over to NASCAR, I, you know, Dennis and I have spoken throughout the year, and that with some of the things that are going on with racing, and yeah, I'm always talking about I'm, I'm totally addicted to YouTube now. Is any <laughs> we mean it's listener, back online? You know, yeah, it was offline. Well, thankfully, that day I didn't tune in, but uh, yeah, I've been addicted to uh, YouTube a, a, as of late, and I'm, you know, and there's so many different races now on there. Uh, High and better quality. Some of the stuff we've seen in the past have been old VHS tapes that are really fuzzy and scratchy and they look awful. But there's been some really, really, really cool stuff that's been added, and the quality is very good. But uh, I was watching a race from 
I think it was, I'm trying to remember. Oh, Charlotte. It was, I want to say 7980 Charlotte. It might have been the fall race. And and this is one thing we have spoken about how you could actually see under the cars. And you're seeing the cars go through the corners and that. There's no arrow push. Guys are coming up on each other. They're running two, three, you know, abreast in, in areas. But there's no, none of this come up on the car and then start to slide back. And and is that something NASCAR, it seems they've done everything, Dennis, except what? Fix the car, right? Yeah, here's the thing that I just don't get is if you look at all the intermediate tracks, all the mile and a half tracks, and you think back through NASCAR history, and it's a real close call whether Atlanta or Charlotte has given us the best racing on the mile and a half. But those two tracks stand out, right? So here's the question for you. You know, we've seen repavements over the years. Now it, it always gets blamed on repaving. Right. Oh, the racing sucks because we repaved the track. Well, you repave the track about every 15 years all through the history of NASCAR. And you never had this one groove insanity like we get now. So the only thing that fixed Charlotte, the only thing they did to attempt to fix Charlotte was to build a hokey road course and to have a roval race. Is this what NASCAR has become? Why not just put a figure eight at Talladega next? If you want to liven up the racing. Careful. I know. They might take me up on this. But the whole idea is... NASCAR has become Formula One with fenders, okay? They they got to get back to letting the cars drive like crap and give the guys more of, a, of, of an accelerator boost coming off. They need some throttle response coming off the, the corners, and unfortunately, the 2019 package is going in the reverse direction. You think that with the... With the new, you know, getting rid of restrictor plates and everything, you think that's that's the direction they're going? Well, I, I think they're going in the opposite direction of taking more horsepower away. And, and you know, yes, you, it's hard to, to put the genie back in the bottle mm-hmm. because anything you do from a technology side or try to, you know, get the cars to ride higher, get the cars to do other things – those crew chiefs will figure out a way to get the car back down to the ground. There's no question. But the number one thing that NASCAR could do right now to change the racing back to old school stock car racing is to take that front splitter and the side skirts off. If you take the side skirts and the front splitter off, no matter what the teams try to do with bump stops and technology and springs and shock packages, you're not going to get the car all the way to the ground and seal it again. That front valence that you saw back in the 70s was was why we had great racing. Kind of putting Tony on the spot here, but on the IMSA side, they also run splitters. Is this a, is that the same complaint they get? Like, well, probably the only track would be Daytona when they're running on the oval, you know, three and four. Is that a complaint you're hearing there too? Not not really, no. And, and IMSA manages its competition completely differently, mainly by the balance of performance set. And that's always the biggest talking point and issue in that paddock because mm-hmm. everyone's trying to play the game and who's smarter than who and where do you where do you play the game? Do you, do you want to go early and show your hand at the start and get penalized? Do you want to come later and, you know, how, hope that it comes better for the championship run? You don't really hear a splitter discussion so much. The only challenge there is both – 
when you throw the car from the uh, tri-oval down in the infield to start the portion, and then when you come back up on the oval one and two out of the infield road course, that's when it's that's when you have to worry about the the four in, in that series. But yeah, no, BOP is the the big talking point over there, and it's something that it's like it does the complexity and the annoyance of that kind of takes away from how good the variety of the series is with the right. number of manufacturers, drivers, et cetera. I mean, I talked to Elio Castro Nevis this week, and he's like. Oh my gosh! You know, it's just I, I don't I didn't realize how much fun I'd have when I came to this series, and he did, and he only won one race. So, I mean, what does that tell you? All right. Well, very good. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more and uh, actually check in and uh, see what's going on at Kansas this weekend as the NASCAR playoffs continue. We'll have more after this on the Final Inspection Show. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Unfortunately, today, no racing today uh, due to the, what is it, Dennis? S- sleet? Snow pellets. Snow pellets. Snow pellets. Get it right, Because of the man. snow pellets. Uh, so the Great Lakes is closed. However, depending on the weather tomorrow, they still may be running tomorrow. So uh, the weekend has not been lost at Great Lakes Dragway. And, of course, David Hobbs Honda. Make sure you check out David Hobbs dot com for the latest in new and used cars speaking of david hobbs honda how is your hot little honda there tony uh it's good zaki we've had uh gosh a year and a half almost two years into it so and i've seen hobbs probably more this year than i did he, last year you know for he, a guy who's quote unquote retired, retired he's actually done <laughs> he's actually put on more airline miles this year than he did when he was working uh for uh, NBC Sports. So I got a great story. So I'm at Rensport a couple weeks ago, and it's Porsche's gathering of all their legends, all their great cars. It happens once every three or four years. It's just basically Woodstock for Porsche files. And Hobbs and Redmond are still having an autograph battle to see who's signing more autographs and who's signing more books. Like, I'd walk one way, there's Hobbs signing on one line, then Redmond's going two, three others, Redmond's telling Hobbs stories, Hobbs is telling Redmond stories, and it's just like... Uh, you know, where's this thing? It's like, I got to sell more books. I got to beat that guy. So <laughs> Hobbs is just killing it with that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have my book. I saw him up at IMSA weekend, IndyCar weekend. I mean, it's not the love, right? <laughs> right, right. Good stuff as always. Yeah. And, of course, at Kansas, it is uh, Joey Logano on the pole. The punk did it, uh, winning his uh, 20th pole. And, Dennis, one of the things I noticed, uh, nine of the top 12 are either Stuart Haas, Penske, or Joe Gibbs Racing. Yeah, it's, there's no doubt who the strongest teams are this year in NASCAR. It's just the type of track that determines mm-hmm. which of the three teams is the, the king for that particular weekend. But, you know, there is there is such dominance in that, that top nine group. And, it, you know, Kevin Harvick is, of course, one of the strong. Of course, he's been strong all year as that team is. And he's, I guess he's, was he's finished third or better uh, seven of his last ten attempts at Kansas, so. I feel like we're due for a beatdown race. I feel like after the last three races mm-hmm. where we've had kind of fluky last lap, crazy endings where, you know, you know the 48-78 deal happens at the Roval, 
Almirola should have won Dover. Then Clint Boyer decides to basically, you know, have his issue on the right rear and completely screw that up. Chase gets that win. And now Almirola wins when Kurt Busch is his deal last week. I feel like we're due for just like a Harvick or Truex, just utter beat down, you know, mile and a half domination. Yeah, domination. Yep. And, uh, of course, once again, Kyle Larson. Uh <laughs> Dennis, the, the, should we start printing up the free Kyle Larson T-shirts now? Uh, I mean, it is just oh, so difficult goodness. watching him languish. Yeah, with, uh, in NASCAR, of course, not this, not particularly, of course, in IndyCar, Tony will attest to, but in NASCAR, it's a cheap Ganassi. Uh, but it, it, it's you know, I feel so sorry. And now I, it seemed like okay, he's man, he's so good, he's going to actually lift this team up. But of course, and and obviously, it's a down year for Chevy. But you know, it, it's just tough watching a talented kid like that just just get mired in the mud of uh, mediocrity in on NASCAR side. It's interesting when you see certain talents come into a different level of racing. Um, I kind of look at Kyle Larson. Very similar to the way I looked at Casey Kane coming up through the the open wheel. Oh, circuit. don't you dare! Don't you dare! Casey Kane was a world beater when it came to midget he wasn't sprint as good cars, as Kyle Larson, silver crowns. Not as good, but pretty darn close. No, no, pretty darn I, I gotta, close. I got to disagree. And when he got up to NASCAR, he showed it showed that he was an all around driver, not specifically a stock car driver. And with Kyle Larson, I'm wondering if he just is not specialized enough to handle this rule package in NASCAR. Well, here's the, here's the situation I'm going to compare him to somewhat. And they actually kind of took the same for a little bit, the, the career, path. career path. And 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 it, when you see a talented driver, Emma, Tony will hopefully back me up on this, Robbie Gordon, uh, bringing the 24 hours of Daytona. As Robbie Gordon basically came off the, you know, the the desert for Jack Roush, and boom, he was fast right away at uh, Daytona. He drove for Roush. Larson, pretty much off the dirt tracks, came down with Ganassi to 24 hours at Daytona, and was this first year he was mad because what I think he was a half a second off. Yeah, Dixon he was knows. he was he was frustrated that first year where he was he was close and he wasn't expected to be close and the next year he was part of the winning car and I don't think he was the slowest one in that because it was him that was like the last all star car win because the way Ims is gone you can't really fly in anymore with you know that kind of team and equipment expected to show up and win but you know so that win may grow in lore as as years go by you know him McMurray I think it was TK and Dixon so. But on the NASCAR side, if you're going to use the Casey Kane example, Casey Kane came in with a wave of momentum and steam and was winning right races right off the bat. Larson, it took so much longer to get to that win, and now that the package has changed again, the odds are stacked against him. He's had just a, a nightmarish season, and particularly nightmarish last couple of weeks. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if we ever got a chance to see him move to one of the super teams. Right. Then like him maybe in a Stuart we... Haas car or something, or a oh, yeah. Gibbs car? Oh, Stuart Haas would be the, the most yeah. logical, logical step. right. If you put him in there, then you'd know for sure where he is talent-wise in NASCAR. There's no doubt, even at what he's doing now, if I look at, at the racing world, 
there's no doubt he's one of the top five most talented drivers that's out there because he can put him in darn near anything, and he's going to be incredible. I mean, it's it's a shame. It's just the way his career path was laid out to him. That Chip Ganassi was the only one that offered him money. I mean, basically, that was his one offer, which is just... The, prob- the problem with Chip's NASCAR team always has been the talents can never outperform the equipment. Right. Montoya made the most out of that equipment when he was there, and we know Montoya is one of the most ridiculously talented drivers of his generation. He he couldn't even get it better than 7th or 8th in points or something with one or two wins. Larson's kind of in the same boat. So, I mean, you look at guys that you rate them higher based on their ability to perform higher than what their equipment does, and, you know, McMurray's really tailed off, and it's been unfortunate, you know— it, you know, there's just not that caliber that, that is there in other programs. And you mentioned Jamie McMurrin. He's a classic example of showing that there's no question he doesn't have the talent of a Montoya or a Larson as far as a driver goes, but he's more suited to the stock car for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, he was a great go-kart racer back in the day. He was great in karting. But when he hit the stock car world, he's always gotten more out of his equipment than what you would expect. Very underrated driver. Yeah, very underrated know, he, driver. And he and, did more with Chip the first go-around. He was there before he went to Roush. I mean, those were kind of the early years. The formative put him on the map is kind of one one to watch. But he's never really progressed beyond that, again, six to seventh-ish points type thing. Well, I think part of that's because of the team. He was never able to land on a team that was – that had peaked. Like look, look at Boyer's resurgence. Mm-hmm. Like Boyer was in the doldrums, and he goes to Stuart Haas. Look at Almirola. I mean, well, could you imagine if Larson you go, was the in ten the, car? Look at look at if Larson was in the ten car this year. I mean, yeah, just hypothetically. You know, I'm not. I'm not one. You know, everybody loves to tease Danica. Oh, she's awful. No, she's not an awful driver. But I, you can really see the difference between and and the ten car is better. I mean, I want to. Say that you know against the field, they've made the, the team overall has made a lot of progress. But wow, that's a big difference uh, in in cars uh, between uh, Amarola and Danica from last year. Whether it's NASCAR or IndyCar, what you've seen over the last forty years, as far as a change goes, is the driver used to carry the equipment mm-hmm. a little bit more back in the day. It you change drivers and the equipment, you know. It didn't matter if they were just the the second tier of equipment. A great driver could carry the car just a little bit farther. Nowadays, you can't do that. Right. Nowadays, it's almost like the driver is going to make a mistake to bring the car down, not the other way around, because the equipment has become more and more important in both series. Well, and it it and that continues as these sanctioning bodies has homogenized the cars. So you can only do so much. And, and But we could go talk hours on that. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll talk more auto racing. We'll talk NASCAR, IndyCar, you name it. Everything is on the table. Dennis even brought up karting. So, I mean, look out, folks. It's going to be a fun show. Final inspection show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. 
And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the aforementioned legendary Great Lakes Dragway, which unfortunately has closed because of snow pellets. Right, Dennis? As that, opposed to sleet and or snow. That would be the the proper definition. Snow design. pellets and a ghastly 40-mile-an-hour wind gusts. So the sun is out now, but they have these little waves of uh, snow pellets running through it. It just makes it kind of miserable today. I can see when management listens to the replay of this show, you know, to, to dissect your performance okay. like they no, do every day. He's gone. He's in Montana. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I can I can see how they're going to want to have like a Mr. Science weather segment during the week. I can see it coming. I think, yeah, I think so. The official meteorologist of Sports Radio 105.7 <laughs> FM, the fan, Dennis Michelson, reporting in. Yep. Dennis, how's the weather going to be at the Brewer game tonight? It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> Let me guess. It's going to be 66 fantastic. 66 degrees, right? Yeah, and the wind blowing east, west, north, and south at a half a mile an hour. <laughs> It's going to be gorgeous. And, hopefully hopefully with Gus when the Dodgers are whiffing, right? Well, this is it. And uh, what it's going to be is it's going to be the proper atmospheric conditions for the popping of some champagne corks hopefully in the so. Brewer's Clubhouse. The, the flow of Bernie Brewer down the slide will be appropriate, too, you know, so no Very water good. required for that. No, so. no, no. It's going to be perfect conditions tonight for a Brewer's beatdown. I think, uh, I think the boys are going to get it done tonight. You know, I haven't mentioned this, and I, I, I apologize in advance. I should have mentioned Anthony Mandela, of course, sitting in for Jeff Orlowski. And, uh, Anthony, give us a quick one-minute uh, uh, Brewer talk here. Uh, what did you think of the game last night? They really desperately needed the offense to show up at all. They're still doing it without the home run ball, which right. they've been doing. That's what's been carrying them all season. So if they were able to put up seven without a home run, and they haven't hit a home run, I think, since Orlando Arcia on Monday. Who'd, who'd have thunk that, right. too, right? Right, Arcia and Woodruff. Yeah, home Woodruff have, has two of, the I think, the five home runs they have as a team in this series. Um, so if anybody can find one over the wall, preferably with runners on base, that's, I think, the nail in the coffin. Yeah, for Los no Angeles. home runs last night. The amount of, from either the amount of two out hits in the first was incredible. Yeah. It was just like, the, they keep coming, They're they rolling. keep coming, they keep coming. And so. they love that it's loud. Yes. It was great to hear a loud Milwaukee crowd again for the Brewers. This does remind me, I mean, gonna, I'm going to date myself Uh-oh. now, but this reminds me of the old County Stadium back mm-hmm. in 82. It, all of a sudden, people, you know, it, Milwaukee's found its baseball fandom again. And I'm that's the best thing about this season. Well, as long as E.T. Willie McGee doesn't show up tonight, I'm uh, I'm, uh, I'm happy for it. You, you realize neither Anthony nor I were no. alive in no, the No, I, I don't know that, what yes. you're talking about. <laughs> I, this is what I'm saying, guys. I'm dating myself here. But, you know, I go all the way back. People, I'm from Chicago, obviously. I'm a big Cubs fan. But... The Brewers were my American League team since they started. I date all the way back to Von Joshua and the Gorman <laughs> Thomas days and Bambi's George Bombers. Scott. And, yeah. I Daryl mean, Porter. Yeah. Here you go. So it's like, this, is, this is it. I man. hear about This is things. it. So once my Cubs were out, Brewers all the way, baby. You know, at one time, the Cardinals were my National League team. That all ended in the now. See, uh, we can say we can say Cubs in here. We cannot say Cardinals. That that no. is a yeah. dirty, that is a dirty word that yeah. Milwaukee and Chicago can agree upon fully. Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was really stoked on that when they made that trade uh, when they traded Sixto Lascano and uh, those those guys for uh, Pete Vukovic. 
So I was, I was oh, happy. those were the days, God, man. Those were the days. I think Vukovic was in Major League. I think he was the he was the first baseman, the first baseman for you know, the Yankees. I was in that so movie. You were an extra. Yeah. You're in, you were in the stands. I'm in the count? stands. Just a bit outside. outside. I was there. Yeah, yeah. Me and my sister in the stands. God, I, how how amazing I, would it be if they had you throw out the first pitch tonight? And somehow I didn't uh, get a SAG card for that. I don't know. It's, it's terrible. Yeah. Racing. We got racing. Kansas. <laughs> NASCAR is in Kansas. Where they're praising the track because it's aged, Dennis, like a fine wine, as Orson Welles would say. Another reference that uh, that went right over Anthony and Tony said. Here's what I'll say about the Kansas Speedway. It is a fantastic place to go see a race, and not just for the racing on the track. The racing on the track, no better, no worse than any other in- intermediate track, but that is a cool place to go visit. And I, I went to the very first race there when there was nothing out there in the middle of, of nowhere, just outside of Kansas City. And now the place has grown up considerably. But the one thing that they do better than anything else is get people out of the track in a hurry. They are really built that track and designed the getaways. It is a great place to go watch a race, though. And, you know, the Kansas City area is kind of uh, underrated as far as a place to visit, but it's a cool place to go. I know I, uh, our friend Dave Renninger, uh, rest his soul, and uh, he, he his biggest thing when they would go in the, in the IRL days when they would go out there was Kansas City Barbecue. He knew all the places, and Dave was one of these guys. He He would get into, and he found a barbecue place. Yes. In the deep, deep Kansas City. This, I want to put it this way. It was authentic. Authentic KC. There, there are certain people you just trust with barbecue selections. Yeah. <laughs> and Big Dave, King Dave is one of those people by all, by all margins. And he, I remember telling me about this place that he found, and it was it was a great story. It just, you know, just take a left here, go into here, and it's, you know, and then the rough side of town, the whole nine yards, and it was fantastic, you know, just. I miss Dave, but uh, yeah, just so Kansas this uh, this weekend and uh, Joey Logano, <sighs> Joey Logano, Joey Logano. Kansas. <laughs> I, where I, where have we been down this road before? For for those who uh, about when is it? I think it's been three years. Three years now. Joey Logano, <sighs> he's running second. He is the lead dog to win the championship. And all he has to do is finish second, and he's 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 on his way to win this championship. I mean, it is just like it, it's almost like the Packers <laughs> ahead of the Seahawks, eighteen, uh, whatever score, or eighteen like to three, six or, or twenty-two, yeah, eight, something like that. Whatever it was, I've I've wiped that from my mind. Anyways, and he's coming up on Matt Kenseth, and he dumps Matt Kenseth. I'm like, what did you do? Champions don't race like that. And I'm thinking, this is going to bite you in the butt. So they're at Martinsville, and, of course, Matt takes them out. And I'm thinking, you know what? I think of Dan Marino It's situations like that. Because Dan Marino, and actually the 82 Brewers, too. You know, when you're in that situation as a fan, like the 82 Brewers, they lost to the Cardinals. I was really pissed. But you know what? We'll be back next year. Nope.
Didn't happen. Didn't happen in 84, 85. Team got worse and worse. Oh, 87. Ah, uh, uh, no. So, and then you look at Dan Marino. I mean, the the mullet, the, the golden arm, the Dolphins, Don Chula, 85. Ah, oh, they lost the Super Bowl. No biggie. He'll get there next week or next year again. Never came back. And you look at Joey Logano. It's like when you have opportunities, opportunities like that, Dennis, don't do that, right? No. It, don't it, take them for granted. It, no, you definitely don't take it for granted. And the Joey Logano thing, it reminds me of, you know, you're the you're the little kid and you see that hornet's nest. Yep. And for some reason, you just had to poke it with a stick. And that's what he did with Kenseth. Yeah. You know, it was like, I get it. You wanted to win at all costs. I love that fact. Just like I love that Jimmy Johnson a few weeks ago at the Roval, where he was locked in to the next round, had that tenacity to want to win that race. But there's some times in racing that you got to be smart and just advance. And in that case, he, he picked on the wrong guy, too. It could have been 10, 15 other guys there that he dumped, and it wouldn't have had the same result. He picked on the wrong guy. Let me go to Tony. Tony, who is the faster brother, Bobby or Al Unzer? It was Bobby. Bobby, Bobby would Bobby say was Bobby. Fast. And Bobby, Bobby was would make faster. Sure, oh, and he'd make sure to let you know that he was he faster, was, too. Yeah, I was. Yeah, but who was the re- smarter driver? <laughs> oh, Al. Definitely. <laughs> By a mile. And and sometimes, you know, and that's the thing with, uh, I think Al Unzer was the prototype driver back in the day. He knew what, he knew he had to get the car right, and later Rick Mears too, fix the car, get the thing right, and then pounce at the end. And you look at, and uh, throughout drivers like that, you know, Jeff Gordon and, and drivers who understood that, you know, and and just I I look back at Joey Logano. I'm like, oh. and I'm sorry. When every time I see him, I think of that. And especially this weekend being at Kansas. I'll tell you what, let's take take a quick break, and uh, we'll talk more racing on the final inspection show. Brought to you by Legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Legendary Great Lakes Dragway. They are closed today. However, make sure to check out social media, Facebook and Twitter for uh, Great Lakes Dragway and check on their schedule for tomorrow. Of course, this time of year, they are weather dependent as uh, Wisconsin has been battling some snow pellets, an invasion of snow pellets, thankfully to resident meteorologist Dennis Michelson. Thank you for that. And we're getting a little more clouds moving in in the Milwaukee area here. Um, we have this weekend the 18th annual. Wow, time flies. Uh, Hollywood Casino 400. Of course, Joey Logano on the pole. Kevin Harvick next to him. And then we have Eric Amarola, the resurgence of the 10 car in NASCAR. Ryan Blaney, Brad Keselowski, and then the first Joe Gibbs car with uh, Eric Jones. And I want to go a little bit further down. Uh, the number six car, Trevor Bain. Is this the last time we're seeing Trevor Bain in uh, Cup? I think we, uh, for the time being, Tony for, for and, the foreseeable and, future. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it's it feels that way. I mean, it's just it never clicked. It it just never 
I don't even want to compare him to Derek Cope because at least Derek had a longer tenure, whereas Trevor peaked right on the bat and has never never really had anything beyond that just from the, the standard regular season races for seven years. One thing I think we're seeing with Trevor Bain, um, I was thinking about this when I started reading the reviews of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s new book, talking about how severe a concussion really did affect his driving. Mm-hmm. And Dale talked about how when he came back from the concussions, even things like hitting the curbs at Martinsville, hitting that bump coming off of turn two at Chicagoland Speedway would jar his vision to the point where he couldn't drive. Trevor Bain had some horrendous wrecks there, and he has not ever been the same since. I'm wondering if you see that same thing in a driver who didn't have as much talent to begin with mm-hmm. as Dale Earnhardt Jr., and you're just not seeing him able to live up to uh, to his potential. I saw that kid coming up through, well, at that time it was the old Camping World Series, uh, the East Series, that is now, uh, you know, the, the NASCAR K&N. development yeah. is K&N now. Um, and I saw him when he was like 14, 15, running racetracks and, you know, places like Lime Rock, places, you know, all the all the typical tracks on that circuit. That kid had a heck of a lot of talent coming up, but never had a chance to, to let it be realized. And I'm wondering if having those severe concussions isn't one of the reasons that we didn't see the best out of Trevor Bain in his career. Well, unfortunately, Tony, we see, you know, with drivers, a lot of it is just the equipment you're in and in timing. And uh, sometimes timing is good. Sometimes it's bad. You got uh, Bain who attached himself to a rush, you know, Fenway racing, which in most, most of the time would be a good move, but unfortunately uh, they've, they're, they're, uh, development as of late has been ebbing uh, towards the back of the field, hasn't it? Right. And another thing, too, is you look at kind of where, where Bain and Roush have fallen within the Ford pecking order. I think Ford has clearly moved Stuart Haas to the front of their hierarchy, Penske as well. So, I mean, it's like you've got you've got two teams that are f- way further up the Ford food chain than Roush was when it I was at its peak, when you had four or five consistent championship contenders, winners every year. With Ricky and, and Trevor, they've just never – you would think that having the two of them playing off each other would help, but it, it's really neither one of them has really flourished, I guess. The other thing I look at, too, is Ford's development pipeline. It's like whether well, it's Cole Custer, Chase Briscoe, Majeski, Austin Sindrick, they have four or five guys now that you'd love to see that are moving in the right trajectory for their careers, whereas Trevor's a guy that, because he started so strong too early, was never mm-hmm. able to fulfill the hype. And it, it's interesting that you brought that up because I, I, I've always said – Part of Ford's success, uh, somewhat, is is because of the diversity in, in with those the teams. Stuart Haas, you have an affiliation, of course, with the Formula One, and then Penske, of course, you have IndyCar and IMSA, and, and the engineering side of that. Not necessarily one to one. You can put this piece and that piece, but from the engineering side and how you look at things and how you develop, and and, and things are just so tight in in with NASCAR in the past Hendrick's engineering was so above everybody else's Chevrolet was actually consulting with them on stuff. Now you wonder, you know, obviously it seems like they've, they've slipped a little bit with Ford being so strong with Stuart Haas and, and Penske. Tony, do you think that's, that's really helped them 
uh, having those affiliations? Well, just look at the resource pool. I mean, you know, we talked a little earlier about where engineers come from. It's F1 aero people and engineers that have moved into NASCAR to go with, with given as Dennis mentioned, the tighter box we're all in. So I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that you have these teams that have these huge resources and have this huge crossover where even if you're not, you know, just the mindset's really good where you can really think differently. Back in the day, Roush had the uh, engineering of the practical engineering, not the theoretical. That's the, been the biggest change here over the years. Right. Well, uh, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll have more of the final inspection show on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 